Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Something in the Crumbs. This is Nsung Kim, and I'm Kim Wen. And this is a brand new year, we guess, maybe. Well, we don't believe in the Gregorian calendar. It's true. We actually the same. (laughs) The year of the rats, so <laughs> we still have a couple more weeks to be it. Yeah. Uh, Everyone? So for those of you who also don't subscribe to the Gregorian calendar, I think you know. Yes, <laughs> welcome to the club. I mean, basically, I think we should always celebrate birthdays according to the lunar calendar, you know? Yeah. Just like all of a sudden be like, surprise, happy birthday to all of your friends at all times. Just like throw them a party. Like you're 45. Surprise. Like happy birthday. Um, yeah. Like even more true now in the pandemic era. It's like you're 45. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, but yes. So maybe let us know. We, we rarely get emails. I mean, not that we love email, but if you want to let us know your favorite yeah. lunar calendar just, pranks. You can just tweet at us or something because <laughs> we, we, we don't really check our email. We don't want to look at our email. Don't take it personally, but we're never going to totally, totally. Um, you Totally. You, but some of you will say things to us on Twitter, which we appreciate. So just let us know. I mean, not that we have our Twitter bios linked on this channel but for those of you who know who we are you know who we are and that is all that matters and if you don't know well really it also doesn't matter um yes but today we have we're we're gonna do a few different episodes that we'll hopefully be able to post at the same time thinking about a few different shows um, where the overarching thematic is shows that have catfished us, starting with Sorry. Alice. Sorry. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Alice, a show um, that uh, aired last year, for those of you who believe in the Gregorian calendar, <laughs> um, 2020, uh, <laughs> we watched the series in its entirety entirety (laughs) and truly do not know what this show is about you have no idea (laughs) we watched so many episodes we thought we knew we definitely do not we have a lot of theories as to what was happening um and then of course we would speak to each other or we would continue watching and those theories were basically trash uh we have a larger theory that perhaps this is more of a story around writers unions because <laughs> um, that every week maybe you're getting a new new slew of writers in because there was the continuity was quite questionable in this series but I guess we should back up and just explain yeah what it is so basically you know Kim and I have many projects that we're working on, in, in addition to our full-time jobs, in addition to the the various things that we have to do for our full-time jobs. But because of this show and the next few shows that we'll talk about, we might actually start looking into the state of writers' unions in Korea. Because this is a seriously <laughs> cautionary tale where, like, if you're fire, firing everyone and then you're starting with new subcontracted writers, you will have a show like Alice which is a show kind of about time travel and also mostly a show about how the main actress, Kimi-san, has an amazing dermatologist and can look fantastic and can play everyone from a 20-year-old to a 60-year-old. I think in real life she's like 45 or 43 or something, whatever real life means. Um, Yeah, so No one knows if you watch Alice. (laughs) Yeah, so the premise of the premise ish of Alice was that there was this girl who is from the future where they already have time travel. They're on twenty fifty. Twenty fifty. And they're on an assignment and she's there with her boyfriend. <laughs> they just went on a date. <laughs> they just went on a date on this assignment. They kicked some ass. They got this book of prophecy. And they're in like <laughs> 
the 1990s. So the 1990s. Why you just like go to the movies. <laughs> you got to You're like, you get picked up. You're on like a date. They're like, let's go get a book of prophecies. <laughs> She's like, sure. I have my combat boots on. So yeah. So they um, are they fulfill the mission, and they're somewhere in the 90s. And then, for some unknown reason, she goes to the gynecologist, finds out she's pregnant. And then, this is where I was really confused. <laughs> this is in the pilot, everybody, just so you know. This, this is in the pilot. Right from the beginning, nobody knows what's happening. Um, so, then she tells her boyfriend, who's immediately like, well, you gotta abort the kid. And she's like, sure, I got to abort the kid. And then she runs away from him because, and with a book of prophecy, because I thought for, at first, that it was some kind of pro-life propaganda where, like, <laughs> she needs to keep the kid and, like, can only do it in the, in the 90s. Like, in 2050, there's, like, it's a children of men situation where, like, you're not allowed to have children or something. <laughs> Um, but then Kim told me that this was incorrect. This is not the correct theory. Yeah. Uh, yes, that part. Uh, I mean, you know I don't speak Korean. So I was like, maybe did I miss this part? But so I was like, well, that's another note that we have to talk about in terms of subtitling and translations. That's true. Um, that's true. But I, I, what happens is that, yeah, we don't really know why. She goes to the gynecologist. She's probably sick or something, whatever. Doctor is like, you're pregnant and uh you you got pregnant you were pregnant before you went through what is it wormhole portal whatever it is that brought them to 1992 and so um there's like obviously a significant amount of radiation whenever they go through this portal and so uh it was the doctor was like well if you go back to 2050 the radiation will like fuck up your baby um, so you can't go back to the future if you want to keep the baby. And so then her boyfriend's like, well, you should, you got to abort the baby because you might die. Baby's going to die. And we have to go back. Cause we, at the end of our day, we got this book of prophecy and we have to bring it back. Yeah. Uh, and then she's kind of like, well, no, I, this is where it gets pro-lifey where she's like, no, I, I feel this life inside of me. And so if I can't go back, I'm not going to go back. And so then she stays in 1992, steals the Book of Prophecy, changes her name. I'm going to raise this child in the 90s, even though I'm from the future. Right. So part of the effects of radiation um, gives him, he, he, he's born the baby. the baby, and he is unable to really feel empathy or emotions or something. Um, yeah, he can't, like, physically emote. Yes. But he's also a terrible actor, so... So we couldn't tell <laughs> if, it was, if it was a limitation of skill or he was exceptional. <laughs> <laughs> or this is good casting. Is this actually about good casting? <laughs> um, maybe the casting agents are unionized, you know? Like, oh, yeah, um, yeah. So, That's believable, because she looks great. <laughs> he can't emote, so they're following all the right instructions. So then he grows up. He's basically a sociopath, which, like, right. there's kind of, like, maybe, like, layers we can unpack. Like, what is this doing in terms of playing with kind of really dangerous archetypes around, like, disabilities or, like, abilities? But, like, because he's not able to emote, he's sort of sketched as this, as this character who didn't really understand how much his mother loved him. Like, a lot of the first two episodes, unlike the other dramas that we've seen, where basically their entire critiques of the family structure, particularly the mother and the father, I think Alice kind of goes back to a, a kind of OG framework where the mom is like so sacrificial, only loves her kid, right? Because like, remember everyone, this woman was, you know, a crime-fighting, future-traveling prophecy 
gal. And now she's like, essentially, we don't even really know what you, what does she even do? She just like kind of like cleans the house all the time, which like, there's nothing wrong with gendered labor, but like, or like domestic labor, but it really does like sketch it out. Like she gave up everything to raise him. And he spent like his entire life, like expressionless around her. Yeah, she went from being a leather-wearing freedom fighter to, like, was sad, you know, like, this woman with a low bun and wears these, like, beige cardigans, and all she does is cook dinner for her son, who may or may not give a shit about her existence. And it's actually quite cruel to her in, in those early episodes as well. Like, beyond the fact that he doesn't emote, he kind of is, um, yeah, sort of terrible to her. Um, I do think that, you know, what you're talking about too, in terms of like setting up these archetypes where you start to like, it's like, oh, re-empathizing with, again, like empathizing with sociopaths or empathizing with um, these murderous characters, you know, Um, or like creating a kind of sentimentality around like how they, how they, how these kinds of characteristics um, are incredibly human, but can can be fostered mm-hmm. in different ways. Where it's like, well, he could have been a total, you know, murderous sociopath, but he became a cop. So, <laughs> so he's supposed to be ethical. Like that kind of intensity actually makes him just like an ethical civil right. servant or something. Yeah. So he has a sort of like metamorphosis. Because in high school, his mom dies, and it's mysterious and unknown why she dies. And so he's, this is what leads him to become a cop. And he's still not very emotive, but he is at least, like, consciously aware of her sacrifice and kind of, like, missing her or, like, wanting to sort of, like, resolve her death in some way. And so that's, like, supposed to... We thought that that was the premise of the show, is, like, sort of, like, unpacking or the son sort of, like, learning that his mom was, like, a time traveler or something. Yeah, there is a... There's a very intense, you know, uh, Groundhog Day kind of thing that happens to where... You know, obviously the point of trauma for him continues to be where uh, when his mother died, when he uh, was unable to stop uh, her murder and the vengeance that he has sought on, you know, whoever murdered his mother. And and that is supposed to also make him more sympathetic, I think. Um, but there is some there is some dialogue around the fact that he he needs to let it go in order for him to sort of develop um, as a person, in order for him to move on with his life. So there are a lot of these themes about um, being preoccupied uh, with things that you cannot change, um, which I think is very similar. We've talked about this before with um, Tomorrow With You, you know, where I think these characters just become really um, obsessed with, whether it's things in the future or like preventing things from happening or going back and trying to put things in the place that they feel is right. And then discovering that they need to be present and live Mm -hmm. in the present Mm -hmm. and appreciate um, that, you know, life is full of unexpected, unexpected realities and whatever. Um, yeah. 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 So that was, that's a potential premise of the show. And then, like, what Kim is describing is definitely the moralism of the show. Like, the show is, like, very much obsessed with sort of teaching these, like, corny-ass lessons. Like, the present is important. Like, that's sort of, like, a continuous theme that comes up. But then there are many other things that happen where, like, like they the show is, like, so layered in this, like, strange way where, you know, like, the, the main character, her boyfriend in 2050 never really understood why she left Mm -hmm. but he like and then we find out like the time traveling company they worked for is essentially a corporation so it's Mm -hmm. like in some on some level this is a dystopic future where 
um, in there are no states, and apparently also there's no planet Earth. Like they're just sort of somewhere elsewhere, or are they on Earth? I don't know. Like they're on a spaceship a lot. So like, I couldn't figure out if they were is that, like, is that a spaceship or is that just twenty fifty architectural design? Um, <laughs> you know, like on Earth. Well, we don't really. I mean, we hate architects. Yes. We, don't, we don't care about the answer to that question, but I think that um, I I think they're technically still on Earth, but I think that they're also opening up that there are other parallel universes. Universes, yeah. Um, so that's a possibility that it could also just look like Earth or something that relates to Earth, but we don't know. So it could be Earth. It could not be Earth. Never resolved. Um, big but theme. people also go in this time period. People are going back and forth. Yes, but as being monitored, managed by this corporation, yes. which is Alice, right? Yeah. So the corporation approves of your request, like, and you can essentially request to like undo some kind of grievance. So, like, one of the first examples is like. This younger brother was, like, terribly abused physically, like, beaten up every day by his older brother. And basically requests, like, we don't really see this part of it, but we just, like, see the back end of it, to go into the past as his older version to beat the shit out of his brother. That's right. (laughs) And this request is approved. Because you know what? Good for him. Honestly, like... This is all fiction. We're, we're into Mention's narrative. We are. <laughs> like, but then I guess he, it, when he goes back, he more or less, like, does he murder his brother? Like, he beats him up so severely that oh, it's like. Yes. Yeah. I think he does. I he think mur- he does. And I think that's when they were like, whoa, we didn't approve that part. <laughs> but, not o- <laughs> but not only does he murder his brother, he then works with non-corporate approved like black market agents to try to stay in that era like so he essentially everyone's constantly going back to the 90s and trying to stay there yeah very very pandemic themed you know we've been talking a lot about how we're back in the 90s and Apparently, everyone's really into 1992. It's a very important year in Alice. A lot of people want to go back specifically to that time. A lot of shit went down in 1992, it looks like. Um, But I think it's also that, yeah, going back to the moralism, right, where there, it's like there are certain things that are acceptable reasons to return, uh, but then they somehow also determine when something has gone too far, like it's tipping too far into some other scale, but like the, what was it? There was that mother whose daughter died and then she, she goes back in time so that she can, you know, relive her daughter's uh, use before her daughter passes away again, or maybe tries to prevent it, whatever it is. Yeah. I think the mission is to prevent the death. I think like that was supposed to be the objective. Yeah. But, um, the version of her from the past still exists. So I can't remember. She kills her. She kills her. her, She kills her. She gets rid of her. So that's a thing too where it's like, it's supposed to be preventing the death, but at the same time, she's kind of like, no, I, like, I want this again. Like, because she could go back in time and just prevent the accident from happening or whatever it was, but she chooses to be like, no, I want this time. Well, again, so I'm going to murder myself because part of it is, is like, I mean, and this is actually maybe the most interesting thing about the show, just like this was the most interesting thing about the king that was like underexplored, but actually its greatest potential is that like the doppelgangers constantly fighting with each other. Like the mother is like blaming her older version of herself for being unable to prevent her daughter's death. And thus she thinks if she gets rid of or kills her other version that like this wiser version from the future will be able to prevent her daughter's death but all that has done is that it makes it so that or so in order for her to do the second part of the plan because the first part of the plan was approved by the corporation like i think that she had like one instance where she was like 
I'm going to try to prevent my daughter's death. And the corporation was like, fine, you can go on this trip. And then... What do you think the approval process is like <laughs> at this corporation? <laughs> like, how many levels are we talking to? You? Like, how many meetings? Are we talking to, like, a presentation? Look, no. <laughs> it's, it's, like, so depressingly, like pre-neoliberal capitalism bureaucratic like everyone's like informal business suits like I kind of feel like you could almost imagine like typewriters you know like I think that this is what's really fascinating sometimes about like everything from Philip K. Dick novels to you know sci-fi shows like this where the future is just like a nostalgic understanding of Mm -hmm. capitalism's past like it's like Mm -hmm. the aesthetics Mm -hmm. of the past like organizes like the way in which like the milieu of like the future is supposed to look so you just have like there's like the ceo or the manager and like they're all like they're shuffling paperwork or i don't know like using computers but it's all very bureaucratic and i'm like really like i think streamlining and standardization is violent i know you do too like i think we're in agreement that this is a process of violence however i'm like if anything about capitalism has taught me anything is that like they're just they get better at streamlining Mm -hmm. and and then but then here i'm like you guys have just gotten you're you have never gotten better so i have a hard time accepting that like i mean maybe that's fine i don't know but yeah the approval process that would have been such a great episode we would have totally taken (laughs) this episode (laughs) well that would require them to actually know what that process was at the time of writing whatever episode that they were doing. It, it was like every episode you were like, you don't, you don't know who the killer is either. <laughs> I know. I'm like, are you That's winging it? Like you were winging it. Okay. We get it. You are unprepared and confused about who was fired. Yeah. So then back to the mother. So she because she had the first part approved by the corporation we don't know what that process is but the second part was her plan so she worked once again with these like non-corporate actors who um it seems like they do they can let you stay in that era they can like let you stay in the 90s however their technology isn't perfect so you get like a skin rash or something yeah it's a little crude yeah it's a crude it, it isn't, I mean, not that Alice's <laughs> looks that good, too. Speaking of nostalgia, you know, you're just, like, using this, like, weird metal wallet thing that I'm like, this is 2050? Are you kidding me? It's not, like, some clear thing in the air that you're blinking? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> Anyways, our dreams are very different, whatever. Um, but I think that the... Um, yeah, like, it's very interesting because you don't, you kind of just, like, don't really know also, like, who you're supposed to be rooting for or, like, mm-hmm. who the protagonist is because, you know, you think that this entity, like, okay, so Alice, obviously, as a corporation, we're led to believe that they have very um, questionable intentions. Like, as the series progresses, you're like, okay, Alice is quite evil. But then these other people that are working outside of the corporation and like brokering these deals and making money also seem corrupt in different ways and also kind of um like their purpose is almost just chaotic mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like they're just kind of there to create um also like yeah like just some sort of um i don't know it's it's like a it's some sort of evil entity in a comedic kind of way too where you're like well why don't you just kill him you know like like i think they actually kind of push people to do these extreme things which i guess is sort of also like the king was like this too where we couldn't understand what the evil uncle's intentions were other than to sort of create complete chaos where people were just being their truest most terrible selves yeah and so this these kinds of like yeah outside actors seem to almost be um there to sort of push people to these intentions and then which is where the boyfriend um future dad who works at alice i think you see his conflict because he kind of thinks that maybe alice is you know the responsible time traveling entity 
that understands how this works and has rules about things and blah blah blah. But then the longer he's there, he also realizes that his his corporation is um, bullshit. Yeah. So as we all do. <laughs> <laughs> so part of one of the one of the antagonists that they set up, other than the preliminary antagonist of the mysterious person that killed the mother, is time travel. Is like. Everyone is trying to negotiate how they feel about time travel. Oh God. We forgot to do a spoiler alert. Oh. The antagonist is time. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, everyone. It's just such an underwhelming antagonist that we apologize. We'll put a trigger warning, like, really clearly on this episode. So, yeah, like, 14 episodes later, you find out the real antagonist is time not time travel just time like just time time. potentially father time actually yeah yeah so and then and then and then the various sort of sub enemies become all of the various actors who either want to control time or control time travel so everything from uh, everyone from alice to the people who want to prevent the construction of time travel to the woman who came up with time travel, who is like a version of the mother to, sorry, another, another spoiler alert. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know though. We could be wrong. We, we, that, that is still an open question. And we are very curious to hear what everyone thinks about this because there's a whole mother lover plot line that gets very complicated. If this inventor of time travel who looks identical to the leather-wearing prophecy stealer is actually the same person. Okay, we should actually also <laughs> clarify, if you're still with us, <laughs> we should clarify that the butterfly effect is mentioned a few times, but never yes. really... Has zero impact, actually. Impact, because... They do mention, like, oh, you shouldn't see yourself if you're traveling back into the future or the pre- whatever. But then they do run into each other, like, versions of themselves. And nothing really seems to happen other than the only real thing that it seems to happen, consequence, is if you travel with the non-corporate people <laughs> and you get a skin <laughs> rash. Like, it's a, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, like, to be clear, we are also afraid of our skin not looking this nice. Is so Asian. This is an Asian <laughs> cautionary tale. <laughs> like, if you go with the non-approved, like, ingredients, you'll immediately get a skin rash. Like, <laughs> nothing scarier. Nothing scarier. Like, really, everyone's like, oh, God, I can't get a skin rash on my I mean, neck. it looks real bad. It I mean, it does. It it does. does. It's, it's, got a, it's got a measles chicken pox. <laughs> Combos. Combo, yeah, combo. vibe, boils vibe. But no one, do people die from it? Yes, right? You can get sick, but the only physical sort of ailment is the chicken pox measles. Right, okay. Pox okay. Measles. Which the corporation can immediately come and give you a dose of the cure, and then yes. you're cured. Yes, and they, the... they seem to be the only ones that have um, access to yes. And nobody seems to be aware ahead of time that there are side effects of going the Mm -hmm. non-corporate route. So that's also something to keep in mind. So um, (laughs) there's so many things to keep. There's so many things to keep in mind. So, um, but actually, you don't have to keep any of them in mind because none of them are relevant. Because by the next episode, it doesn't matter. (laughs) There's an yeah, but like maybe by the end, the antagonist was time. Or also you, whoever you want you to be, literally. Like, you might be time. You might, well. literally. In some instances, you are time, yes. Yeah, because part of the way that the show ends is that the son, the detective, who he himself, because of the radiation his body endured, somehow is able to manipulate time and time travel without devices or technology and he doesn't get the measles yes yes (laughs) which i feel like is not fully 
expanded on in this weird what way? is expanded Where, on kim other than the measles well, like or everything is expanded and nothing is nothing is solidified but i think that one of the things about it which again um falls into this kind of a bit of a reformist narrative where or again the um unexceptional propaganda you know where he is exceptional he has this skill and you don't actually see him develop it or have an interest in learning more about it in a way it's just kind of this thing and then he believes that the best thing to do is to shut down time travel to not basically like, well to be normal um, yeah and part of okay so i don't know what version of him that is but we learn at the very very end that because a son Outside of the premise of the show, in some other world that we have no access to, he does grapple with his abilities and basically right. becomes time. Like, he's, like, able to time yes. travel so much, he himself becomes time. And the main thing he tries to do is he tries to go back and prevent his mother's murder. And he tries no, to save her. I thought her. that he goes back because he's trying... No, he murders her. I know, but he, but I thought the premise was like, he tries to go back so much that he kind of goes crazy and he murders her. So then it turns out like he's actually trying to go back to just prevent himself. And then by the time he understands that it's him that murders her, he then tries to just kill versions of himself. Okay. (laughs) This is like... This is like Game of Thrones where all of a sudden there's like a polar bear. You're like, what? Like, <laughs> like there's a polar bear? Like, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh. Whoa, really? No. Okay. okay, first of all, first of all, who knows if that's what actually happened, Kim? I first thought that this was a pro-life show. So what do you think? What do you oh, think? pro-life show, though. <laughs> And this was pro-life propaganda. I was like, this is what happens. This is all the, this is all the wonderful things that can happen if you have a child. That's the, that's the oh, premise. Oh, oh. Um, like, what did you think or happened? The, or the, or, yeah, it might actually be very pro-choice. Being like, this is what happens when you have a child. You know, it's fucked up. <laughs> this is some crazy shit. Okay, okay, what did you think happened? your child is going to be tormented. There's going to be, like, this Oedipus shit. Like, it is. It is complicated. Don't do it. Maybe it is pro-choice. Um, what did What did you think? Okay, I'm trying to remember now. I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Mm, does, <laughs> does it? Does it? Does it make sense? Yeah. In the context that we're working with, um, I'm trying to remember. Yes. Okay. So when he becomes time, and when the younger version of him, uh. 2020 version of him, Mm -hmm. cop him, uh, realizes that he is the guy that also killed his own mother and he became him. Um, I thought, I don't know why, I, I thought that basically he was trying, he was trying to stop time travel from existing because he felt that time travel had, and like the obsession had turned him into someone, yes, yes, that, like, you know, um, wasn't a version of him. But then he kept trying to kill himself because the versions of him kept interfering mm-hmm. because he wouldn't give up, basically. Like, mm-hmm. it's like you won't give up the fact that you, um, like, you won't let go of the fact that your mother has died. Why can't you just move on from that? And then you won't give up on, like, what he believed was, like, this desire for something else, I guess. And he was trying to really suppress that by killing all the versions of him. Um, but yours probably makes more sense. No, no, no. <laughs> it doesn't really matter, actually. Literally doesn't matter. <laughs> no, well, it, I mean, neither of them really make sense. It's like you're, okay. And what? this is where, this is what we're talking about, how the butterfly effect, you're like, Okay, none of this is actually real because if you just killed a bunch of versions of you, why do you exist? Like, what are you talking about? Where are you from? Like, I don't understand. But what is maybe of interest is that once again, we get another plot line where like 
there's a there's a kind of the moralism is around like the enemy being versions of you which is like politically very very there's it's like full of things that we could work with mm-hmm. and then in this drama like the moment of crisis is like you just return to like the site of your mother's death which is like yeah. very freudian like this is like oh. right up his alley this one like, sounds very freudian big time <laughs> Big time. Mother exactly. lover, you know. Exactly. It's a lot. Oh. Well, and but mm-hmm. I think that also that the I guess the the butterfly effect in this show is not necessarily um it's it's actually very it's like personality based or something too, right? Where it's like you the more you interact with your doppelganger, mm-hmm. the more the two of you like you might become more like that person or um, which is like what happens with the lead character. Like the more he interacts with his future angry murder self, Mm -hmm. the kind of more aggressive he gets at the same time. Um, And when the young physicist spends more time with the mother, she kind of starts to become, uh, let's say more motherly towards her mm. her love interest <laughs> yeah um so like oh because she starts to have her memories too yeah like she starts they start to like merge um psyches or something yes so i hope we made this clear that <laughs> the time traveling mother who died um he the son finds a woman who's a physicist who looks exactly like his mother. At the age, basically, that she died. died. So, because this woman is played by the same actress. So it's not like he thinks. (laughs) It's just like, in real life, they're the same person. So, like, (laughs) literally, um, only one person. And, like, that's it. And so, at first, he thinks that she is kind of his mother and kind of becomes obsessed with this theory and then he decides maybe she's not and then he sort of gives her gifts like he sort of interacts with her the way that um i think he wanted to interact with his mother that seems to be like the sort of lovey-doveyness of it but like he really he doesn't because he doesn't emote the only person he seems to actively be caring about is this physicist who looks exactly like his mother. Yeah, that's why it's very confusing when it appears as though they have developed romantic something with each other because his initial draw to her is is quite um, yeah familial. And it's one of his childhood friends that has to break the news to her, like... Uh, you know why he's so into you, right? Because you look identical to his mother, which is the whole thing to unpack. Um, but I think that it's there's something about how he also sort of uses her, right? Like, is this an unresolved traumatic experience? His death is something, or her death is something that he has never gotten over. Um, and so he also uses this person as a way for him to emotionally work through his shit, mm-hmm. which she also did not ask, did not consent to be used in such a way. Um, but that's kind of, I feel like, how things start to develop for them. Yeah. I think that if this is one of the few shows we've watched where not only is nothing resolved, but the romance is like so tangential literally like the romance that he sort of has with his childhood friend is literally like she sees she's like this journalist character she seems kind of like into him but like it's like this very vague romance between this son and this woman who looks exactly like her his mother but like as ambiguous as possible you know, as like he's only thinking about her death. So it's like, hello, how much more literal and like 
Freudian can this whole thing get? It also, it moves in and out, you know, where it seems a bit like they are kind of into each other. And then where it, it does seem mother-son or mm-hmm. familial. Um, and that it's like, oh, which, you know, again, probably speaks to the different writers every week where they had different intentions for this relationship. Because I think you go back and forth. You're like, you're not really sold on this either as being relationship. But even as it ends, they kind of end up together but they basically are just like standing several feet away from each other staring at one another outside of like the doorway of the house and it's it's not like there's a you know this deep embrace or like there's no kiss there's no you know aggressive hug really no either so they even leave that quite ambiguous um yeah so like if you wanted to sort of be defensive and say none of this is romantic i do think there's ample room for you to do that to live in that denial but also if you wanted (laughs) to like live in that space like there's a lot of sort of this show lives in that space exactly turned it up already let's just lean in yeah um so other than the fact that the mother lover plot is like really weird it's weird because I think that this sort of psychoanalytic version of the Oedipus plot really is like, a ch- it provides discomfort but also opportunity for people to really grapple with the desires that they have about certain figures that are familial. And then in this show, none of those desires are grappled with. It's just like the space of that, like, of that kind of familiarity just keeps like, it's like conjured up again and again. Like you always go back to her death. You always like you're back at the scene again. And like, and then it's, it's sort of dropped and some other time travel plot line appears. But Kim brought up something the other day that I thought we could touch on of like regarding the book of prophecy and the sort of like how ultimately the show concludes that nothing you do matters almost mm-hmm. yeah and that if you try to do things it exacerbates the problem it makes things worse that that the best thing you can do is nothing at all and that you just you basically let let time unfold yes and let life unfold and and that the prophecy you know it implies also that your life is written for you, your path is written for you, you are who you are, this is your destiny, you are set for tragedy, you are set for misery, you are set for all these things, and this is what it is, and so why why fight it, you know? And, and Or that, like, if you do, you actually, it's, it's, detri- it's more detrimental mm-hmm. to you somehow. Yeah, because th- there are several key scenes where you get like these short monologues of people being like the thing that's most important is like the present you know you have to like treasure this moment in the present and there's nothing like I wouldn't disagree with that I don't think you would disagree with that either but I also think like if you build a whole show about time travel and then all of the various things that can go wrong with time travel which like may be but also I think like something like time travel is about us imagining other kinds of possibilities like um and that space of imagination is i think quite fascinating like the sort of desire for a different kind of future a desire for a different kind of past like i don't think things are just set in stone you know and the show goes to such lengths to say if you do anything you will just fuck it up even more and then you'll miss the present which is such a like uh, what kind of what kind of political premise is this, Kim? I know. I was trying to think about this because I don't think like because it it could be so interesting, you know, where you actually contended with the fact of like how people use futurity as like this loophole or like as a way of getting out of addressing mm-hmm. the present and a way of getting out of like dealing with the realities of the present or not understanding how um, time isn't linear and how like, you know, interconnected all of these things are. 
but it isn't really, it's not really a critique of um, the sort of, yeah, like that obsession with the future in that way. It actually, it doesn't, it's, it does an opposite thing where it almost like, it believes that, um, it believes that the present actually isn't necessarily messy or uncontained. Yes. Right? It's like, it's actually that it's like, it is written and you have to follow it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is a different thing than what we kind of are interested in, which is more that the present, the everyday is uncontainable. Exactly. Always different. Exactly. Very like heterogeneous. And I think that that's where I think it starts to fall apart. It's a missed opportunity. Yes. I mean, what is the opportunity, really? Like That's right. That's a good point. <laughs> no one is actually watching the show. Fairly certain it was just us. We asked several people, and they were like, what? Where do you find these shows? I believe that was one of the responses. <laughs> I mean, the the real opportunity is, like, how we're, all, we're always pro-union, except for police unions. <laughs> we are always pro-union, except for police unions. Um, That's right. We're not interested in those. Yeah. There are no, there's, there's no co-op in this show. Yeah. Sure. But we definitely will support a writer's union all around transnationally, but particularly for uh, miniseries. We think it seems as though it is a chronic issue in, in K-drama world. So we're, we're here for you. We would like to help you organize. Yeah. And, and then to return back to like the, the sort of the moralism of the present, the present day is that it does seem to kind of once again push it, push along the sort of slow reformist narrative that like if you don't do something dramatic, then little by little, you'll just appreciate life. And even though bad things happen, little by little, you'll just accept it or something like you'll just accept life which is like come on you guys this is just boring like don't do that i i think this is what again like the unexceptional propaganda where you are creating these stories that are unnecessarily complicated to try and sell this idea that like basically living simply <sighs> you know it's like it's very complicated and to a point in which i think it's it's that's the intention right is like creating this really like wild kind of circuitous like weird um plot that may or may not be connected things are completely unresolved um to make you feel like so many things are uh open-ended and out of control and that you cannot like, why bother changing these things? They just are what they are, so you should just accept them. As opposed to even, like, it's just, like, quashing even just, like, this in interest in questioning it. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. like, just, like, it's stopping it at a very early point of resistance or something. It's like, yes. let's just stop questioning at all and just, you know, go with the flow. Because basically it's, like, if you were a son and you're questioning your mother's death, which, like, okay, Let's say that that is a political premise and also an affective premise. Like you want to understand how your your mother's death affects you, but also why your mother died. Like if the conclusion of your search is that you have you are the cause that your investigation <laughs> and your desire to learn more about this actually created the entire act of violence. Like that's basically telling you don't even ask questions. Like don't try to understand anything. Like that's really fucking conservative. Yeah. No, it's like, it's like, oh, we're violent. No, you're violent. You're violent. <laughs> <laughs> you ask questions. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, this, you know, we're, we're back to pro-life. We're back to pro-life again. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, but, like, I mean, just to kind of preview the other few shows that we want to talk about that are linked to this, is, like, we thought, like, towards the tail end of 2020, there was a series of shows that presented itself as one thing. I think, like, Startup is one of them. Private Lives, to a certain extent, is another one. Is there another one that I'm missing, Kim? 
I think my holo love. My holo love is, yeah. Where it started off one way, and this was like, and even like the, the poster, Kim pointed out, like the poster for Startup says one thing, but like every two episodes, it decides it's like another thing. And then like towards the end, it's about like incel culture or something. Yeah. It's a constant bait and switch, you know, where they tell you it's a very female focused or female centric storyline or plot and or sorry premise and they're like ah this sounds great two sisters in tech this sounds like our gold standard search www and then it turns out it's about a vc and an incel you know like it's just rude it's rude how often this keeps happening to us we keep watching shows thinking it's going to be a certain kind of thing and then it becomes a totally other thing i think when we started watching this show we thought wow there's this woman wearing these boots and beating up a lot of people. It's kind of cool, you know, <laughs> despite, yeah. despite the potential pro-life stuff, whatever. <laughs> but and then, then it became about the bad actor dude uh, and his emotional journey and how this might be the most accurate part, that his emotional journey wrecks the universe. <laughs> No, okay, you know what? We'll give you that. We will give you that, Alice. That part is the most realistic aspect of this show. Totally. Okay, yeah. Maybe maybe it was worth watching, you know? <laughs> like, that kind of, it's a, it's, a, it's a fervent realism. Like, it's really grappling with toxic masculinity. Like, at its, right. like, core dynamic. I mean, how many more things can we learn about? men but nevertheless he here we are go to therapy either right we don't see any any bits about therapy or analysis even though his mother was murdered basically like in front of him i mean why well, how could he go to therapy all he does is think about this one thing it's just like his entire life like it's like the whole premise i mean i think that this character that's because the universe is his therapist it's totally true. I mean, I think that the one bait and switch, I think the only show that maybe didn't catfish us was It's Okay Not to Be Okay. Mm-hmm. That's probably like a serious standout of 2020, which the New York Times said that It's Okay Not to Be Okay was about cancel culture. And we just want to say... Very like, confusing. <laughs> we just want to say like, fuck you. Like, fuck you. My God. Oh. What narcissism. I, I'm shocked because... Cancel culture is the kind of lib nonsense that you think the New York Times would, like, really understand. Exactly. (laughs) They don't know what those words mean, I guess. Yeah, it was, like, shocking. It's, like, you think that, like, I mean, like, there's, it's not like the Korean web doesn't have its own massive issues with its, like, own massive whatever nonsense, lib nonsense, conservative nonsense, whatever. But, like, you think that, like, Korea produced an entire show about mental health and like kind of fragmented families so that you could talk about cancel culture again? Like, you think like <laughs> this was just for you? Like, wow. So that's, that's very, that's very American. It's very New York Times. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, maybe that's the only one of 2020, but like startup, Definitely another catfishing show. Alice is maybe the gold standard catfishing show that we've ever watched. Yeah. I mean, we basically determined that after watching The King, which everything was bananas, um, we didn't think it could get more bananas. And then we watched Alice and we're like, whoa, maybe this is just, this is it now, you know? This is the pandemic era. Everything is just bananas like we're at we're at 130 percent all the time (laughs) and then we watched collectively tenant on twitch (laughs) kim me and a few of our other friends and the entire time you know what i actually thought when i was watching tenant was like at least this will end in like another hour like alice was 16 episodes like yeah that was that was basically like like what five (laughs) tenants So we endured. Um, yes, that's true. It well, did it really end though that movie? 
I don't know what that. I mean, I think I'm with everyone we still, else. We still don't even know what that movie was about either. Um, if it the was, enemy a, was also time, the enemy was yeah. also time. The main characters were not as good looking, not as in like the main female characters. Like, oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, the main like, yeah. uh, you know. Well, the, there, well, there was only one point five in tenants. So oh, <laughs> okay, okay. Wasn't really a whole lot to work with. The very main, main character, not Neil, the other one. What's his name? Protagonist? Antagonist? The protagonist. <laughs> Was that his the name? He, he called us a the protagonist. Oh, yeah, the protagonist was, he was like cute enough. But then I was like, wait, this whole thing is about you guys saving a white woman? The whole thing? Ugh, no. It's so rude. It's so rude. <sighs> At least Alice uh, is not about saving a white woman. You get to save Kimi-san, who... I mean, you should save her. She's a uh, dermatological like, creature of wonder, basically. She's not aging. That so. part is real, but saving her is fake news. She dies. She, you know, most of her. Yeah. But the other version of her lives, so <laughs> that's okay. Good point. Good point. And then Private Lives, which we'll talk about. I think we'll do a two-part series. I think... We both liked Private Lives, but we also liked it on a level of, like, we didn't know what was going on, but we liked it. We also thought it was a totally different show, (laughs) and we were very confused because it was uh, promoted as being a show about con artists, and I don't think that word means what they think it means, (laughs) because it's not really a show about con artists, but... It's still interesting. So please do watch it in anticipation for our episodes on that. Yes. Um, And we will be back shortly with our follow-up on Startup, which, you know, we are excited to know your thoughts on Startup because we thought it was such a missed opportunity. Like, just so genuinely not like Search WW, which, like, it doesn't have to be like Search WW, but... Search WWW <laughs> just set like a bar for a kind of like non male centered approach to discussing both technology but also like the present. Mm-hmm. I do think that it um, it seemed to also bank a bit on the success. I think of Search WWW mm-hmm. and like I maybe tried to frame itself a bit like that to probably um pique the interest of people like us yeah who thought you know oh this show will be kind of like that and it clearly was not um it was about men it's just about men i i'm gonna just be honest with you listeners because we're we're close like that uh i could not get past i don't know whatever episode when i was like there's just this is it like this is it i i don't understand it's just the incel and the VC over and over again. Like I, I do not appreciate. And every time you watch, show. you watch another episode. You just fall in love with the venture capitalists yeah. a little yeah. bit more. <laughs> so it's basically for sure venture capitalist propaganda. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. You you really you went through a lot more episodes than I did. I, I did not listen to those men anymore. It was too much. It was a lot. It was, it was a, lot. a lot of men. They would go to conventions. There were more men. And it was like, no, stop. Like, stop it. You told me this was a show about sisters. <laughs> um, but, it was so rude. It was oh, so rude. But we also have a guest, um, guest star, and we'll be talking about The Kingdom, which was mostly men. But um, but it's also like a Eat the Rich thing so yeah okay all right well thank you for tuning in everyone yeah thanks so much for following along i hope you made it to the end of this bananas episode i mean (laughs) i kind of feel like i don't want to give us too many compliments because i feel like but why not i feel like our description of alice was possibly more interesting than alice so if you made it let us know let us know. Yes. Yeah. And tell us if you think pro-choice, pro-life. So yeah. we don't know. We, don't we know. still don't know. <laughs> um, goodbye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Keep up fun. Bye.